Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. What is this, amateur hour? Yeah, I ain't no Superman businessman like you. You know, I'm just a... Amateur. I suppose. Amateur hour. Is what's happening. <laughs> amateur hour. Is what's happening. Do you remember? In September, that's when Amateur Hour first began. Just two friends talking about the Chiefs. The team was awful, a lot's changed since 11 years ago. Now we have Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes, and oh yeah, we want a Super Bowl. You're welcome. It's almost time! That's right, folks. It's Amateur Hour. I am Ryan Scott Hall, and with me today, a man that needs no introduction, and yet I introduce him every single time. It's his darkness. Chiefs Nation. Let's ride. There there we go. I was waiting for the the sup. I was waiting for that. Sorry, Uh, I I had to change it around a little bit in honor of last night's game. A huge win for 2013 Chiefs Twitter with Geno Smith finally fulfilling his potential. And a huge loss for me with Mike Glennon suddenly maybe not the best quarterback in that draft class. Man, after one game, that's a one game and it swung the entire draft class. Well, I mean, Geno didn't have a lot on his resume up until last night. And you know, Glennon doesn't have much either, but he's I think it was a little notch ahead of Geno Smith now. Glennon's yeah. got to be like way high in the career earnings, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Because he got he got that big deal from. Oh the... yeah, and I'm I'm capitalizing on that. I'm I'm cashing in on that. So I'm, I'm not mad. I'm not mad, but it was eh, not good. Not good for Glennon last night. Well, you know, it wasn't too good for the Cardinals on Sunday, uh, hosting the one, the only, Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid, Kansas City Chiefs, and you know, look, I here here I want to I want to start with this, Durkee. We're back. <laughs> you you want you want to speak up a little bit? I'm not sure if everyone heard it. That's just background sound. Just just background noise. Uh, back. We'll just have that going the, the whole pod. <laughs> um, so somebody asked Cliff Kingsbury about the performance what the hell happened they said hey cliff you know kind of maybe lacking some urgency a little bit or what was uh (laughs) what was going on out there and cliff cliff 
Kingsbury said, you know, I think they knew that week one was coming, but I think the level of play that the Kansas City Chiefs played at was a step above probably what they anticipated. (laughs) And Cardinals anticipated or what the Chiefs anticipated? uh, I think he's talking about the Cardinals and maybe like a lot of other football fans, not necessarily Chiefs fans, because we've all been pretty optimistic coming into the season, but Would you say that the way that the Chiefs looked, how uh, well-oiled they were offensively, was that a surprise? Did they surprise some people on Sunday? I think they surprised a lot of people. Uh, I was not very surprised. Uh, I was overjoyed. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I, I, I think Chiefs fans have kind of been waiting for that game since the Bills AFC Championship game of the 2020 season. Like like last season, there might have been a few games that we blew teams out. I, th- I mean, the Raiders games, I think we blew them out a couple times. Uh, but really, I mean, Chiefs fans were kind of expecting that. Like throughout the doldrums, we were like, okay, we haven't looked great so far, but we're still the Chiefs. We still got all these weapons. We still got all these all this talent. So got Andy Reid, so got Patrick Mahomes. Next week, this is going to be the breakout game. We're going to come out and smack this team around. We're going to smack the Giants around. We're going to smack the say, Titans around. I'm sitting here thinking about the Giants game. I'm like, and then and then we played the Giants, and it looked like that. I mean, we all just sat and waited and waited, and it never really came. I, I think maybe in the second half of the season you could say we hit there, but I don't think it was anything like we saw yesterday. And, you know, obviously in the Bills game, we showed a lot of heart. And we outlasted them, and the offense played fantastic, and it was an all-time game. But I still don't know if it was at this level. This was just an onslaught. I mean, we got stopped once on a fourth and two, and I think Mahomes just kind of made a bad decision or good play by the defense, whatever. And that was it. I mean, Juju fumbled. That was it. And other than that, offense was on point, mowing down the field, I got a fun little deep dive we can we can get into later. Um the defense it, it the defense looked great. I mean as great as the offense was, as great as it was to see Mahomes and the offense shine, I fully expected that. I didn't know what to expect from the defense. And they looked fantastic. I mean, it was 37 to 7 late in the third quarter when the Chiefs were officially bored and just pulling the plug on the game and and we were flipping over to Raiders Chargers to see some actual football being played. But before that, it was just a fucking onslaught. And it was like the Chiefs of old that we expect. The Chiefs from 2018 to 2020, when it was like, all right, you, you're calling us out? You want to see how good the Chiefs can look? Here it is. And and we saw that, in my opinion, really, for the first time since the 2020 AFC Championship game against the Bills. I, I think that everybody can point to Mahomes, and they should. I mean... And, and depending on however you want to interpret his performance, is this pissed off Patrick Mahomes? Is this petty Patrick Mahomes? Is this, you know, new energy? Is this Mahomes 2.0? Like all these different ways that people are talking about. But, but honestly, I mean, I thought perhaps the most, uh, I don't know, accurate or enjoyable comments that I heard uh, in the aftermath of that game have come from two different sources. 
Um, one was how matter-of-factly Sean Payton told Colin Cowherd that Patrick Mahomes is the best there is. No contest. The best there was and the best there ever will be. Bret Hart. Um, That's yeah. Bret Hart. It was great. And I... Uh, I don't know if you caught, there was one specific clip that was kind of floating around. I haven't gone back to listen to the whole show, but the Longs, Chris and Kyle Long talking about Patrick Mahomes. Do they got a fucking podcast now? The number of podcasts out there. My goodness, the Kelseys have a podcast now? It's, I, I think that it, I mean, maybe they're together uh, like a, a little bit, but uh, Kyle has, is it, it's Kyle? Yeah. Former chief. Great. Kyle Long. One of them. Oh no. Well, it's Chris Long then. Chris Long has had whatever the green light podcast for a few years. Yeah. Um, he did stuff with Rosillo and whatever, but um, they were talking about the level of competitor that Mahomes is because Kyle was on there and had now spent a year with Mahomes at least. And he used this golf analogy he said he'd been reading a lot about Tiger Woods and that Mahomes was this like Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods level competitor. And there's this story about Tiger and Phil and Phil steps up with his driver and hits this big drive and Tiger steps up with his three wood and out drives Phil on a smaller club. Um, and I think that was the analogy he ended up using where he's saying like, yeah, hey, the Chiefs got rid of Tyree Kill, but Pat can still hit 350 with his three wood. Like it doesn't matter that Tyreek isn't there. Um, and and if you don't understand golf, that might be tough to follow. But generally speaking, he's just saying that like it's about the person that's swinging the club or throwing the football in this case. Clearly, you're not a golfer. <laughs> Obviously, you are not a Obviously, golfer. fuck. Fuck. <laughs> um, I I think that no one should be surprised by Patrick's performance. Um, and yet, for some reason, people were. I mean, if we looked at this on paper, and maybe there are there are Mahomes detractors that might use this to explain away his performance. Um, but like Arizona was not good and beat up. Um, now the Chiefs ended up losing guys to injury throughout the game, but like they just completely mowed down a Cardinals defense that doesn't belong on the same field with Patrick you, Mahomes. At this you, mean, point. you mean Isaiah Simmons was not the answer? No, no, he was not. He had a tough day covering Travis Kelsey. Looks yeah. Really, he's not gonna have a tough day really covering good. both Juju and Travis Kelsey when he looks like he looks like a fucking defensive end, like. Um, just the eye test here, guys, it's not going to work. All right. You're not going to have some, didn't you go to Olathe North? Mm-hmm. And then uh, Clemson. Nobody from Olathe North is covering Travis Kelsey. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You can put out the entire Olathe North high school football team. They're not going to cover Travis Kelsey. It's just, <laughs> it's not in our city's, not in our city genes. <clears throat> the greatest Olathe North uh, graduate ever won Darren Sproles also could not cover Travis Kelsey. Now, Travis couldn't cover Darren either. <laughs> it would be, it'd be a fun matchup to watch, but a mismatch no matter who is playing offense. It'd be like the one-on-one game between Shaq and Allen Iverson or something. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's what, we, what we'd be looking at. 
I don't know that Kelsey would want to be compared to Shaq. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> well, all right. if he listens to this, I'll I'll address it. <laughs> um, I guess the big surprise for me, um, if I was surprised about anything in this game, uh, it, it was the first quarter from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, I thought that he looked better in that first quarter than at any point in his Chiefs career, uh, even including the like almost 150 or so yards rushing that he had against Buffalo in the bad weather a couple years ago. Um, I, I thought that Clyde, particularly with him being involved in the passing game and having a couple of big gains, um, I, I was like, I don't even recognize this guy. Like they're they're suddenly utilizing him in the way that we all assumed that he would be utilized. It almost made me wonder if like was Tyreek doing some of the stuff, like taking away some of the routes that they're using Clyde on? Because like, what is the explanation? I did see one clip saying like this was a play that Daryl Williams was really successful on. Exactly Uh, what I saw, but that I mean that seems so weird because. I mean, Darrell, I guess, is a good receiver, but don't you want Clyde in that role? And if you're going to go like that, wouldn't you expect to see Jerk McChicken in, in that role now? Um... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you've been you've been saving that one. <laughs> um, I was actually trying to think of, like, we've never, I heard somebody say that we should have yeah. known that Clyde wasn't going to be good when we never really figured out a nickname for him um D-E-H. yeah it was like you can't you, there's there's too much to work with that you can't make it work um and i was thinking about like how surprised i was at the way that he was utilized and how good he looked um and for whatever reason i stumbled upon a new hope as in um the star wars a new hope and i was like well that's the beginning of the skywalker story so maybe there's a clyde walker in there somewhere or something i don't know uh but he <laughs> he would need a first name and clyde is his first name i can't call him clyde clyde walker that won't work <laughs> so um any any suggestions out there from the from the fellow amateurs let us know yeah you uh, might be on to something but, but I, he did i mean obviously with clyde he looked much better much better much faster than he had at basically any point in his career i mean i don't even know what to say i mean he's he came in with an injury last year. Like he kind of came into training camp and preseason banged up and it was never really healthy, I guess. I mean, but, he had that gallbladder surgery. He said that he lost like 30 pounds. At what point? That was in the off season before 2021. It was never really reported, but he talked about it this off season. I mean, I, I could see it because he did look worse last season than he did in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't think anybody was impressed by him last year. Everybody was pretty much ready to give up on him this year. And I'm me, I put myself at the top of that list. Um, but you know, it was, it was a different gear and, and yeah, maybe not statistically. I mean, he scored a couple touchdowns. I'm not sure what he ended up with yardage wise. Uh, but just watching him, it didn't take long to say like, this looks like a totally new guy. Um, and, and fucking a like right on time like thank you like please like tell me we did not completely waste this first round draft pick on a running back which you're not supposed to do but he seemed awesome and then he was terrible so i'm i'm just very happy that that's not the case or hopefully that's not the case so this might not be like 
everyone plays fantasy football, so I feel like it's somewhat relevant. Um, did you happen to see the stat that Scott Barrett put out in the Brian Westbrook, Clyde Edwards Hilaire comparison narrative? Okay. So this this past summer, he found that in the first two seasons of Westbrook's career, he was only average, like his, his average points per game or whatever was not great, basically. And then in year three, he really popped. Um, and, and Clyde's first two years in terms of like the points per game, fantasy wise, were basically identical to Westbrook's first two years. And so Barrett's just, you know, using that as a way to be excited about Clyde entering year three instead of completely writing him off. Um, but Scott Barrett is brilliant at his job. And I mean, I just like the idea because, I mean, I'm a Chiefs homer and I'm always going to root for these guys to do well. I like the idea that maybe Clyde just needed some time to figure it out. Um, and it's weird because it almost seems like the Chiefs needed time to figure Clyde out, too. For whatever reason, he's had maybe more of an adjustment to the NFL than other guys in his class because Jonathan Taylor didn't have any problems and DeAndre Swift hasn't had any problems. Um, well, it, it does make sense that it would take more time, you know, in in the passing game than it would in the running game. I mean, Jonathan Taylor. I don't think any, I don't think much changes from college to pro if you're just turning around and handing off to the guy. I mean, you're running the same basic plays. Obviously, the speed is going to be higher, but you're still making the same reads as a running back. And that's why we see so many rookie running backs pop because it's it's a very easy transition. It's also why we don't have much, uh, you know, patience for running backs. Like, you know, either be good or get the hell out. Like there's there's hundreds of guys that can be good NFL running backs. If you're not good, that's why I was just like, OK, Clyde's not good. Get rid of him. OK, but I, I, I it's been proven wrong a little bit. I mean, at least through seven carries, he only had seven carries for 42 yards. Now that I'm looking at his stats. Um, but yeah, I mean, it makes sense that it would take time in the receiving game and looking up Brian Westbrook's stats right now, he went from 300 yards receiving in his second year to 700 in his third year. And that's when he saw the big leap. And he really didn't take a leap as a runner until his fifth year when he went from 600 yards to 1200 yards. So, and, and that's in his age 27 season. And I mean, how often do you even see running backs get to 27 now? 27 is like the magic number where you start to get worried. Like Dalvin Cook's 27, Derrick Henry's 27, like be a little weary of them in fantasy because now the injury chance goes sky high. Uh, so, I mean, throwing back just a weird fucking position. It's evolved over time from 20 years ago when Brian Westerbrook was doing this, but hopefully, hopefully Clyde's figured this out because if we add a running back to this equation, a good running back, I mean, what do you say? I mean, the, the best offense gets even better here. Well, and you know, the interesting part of it is if you look at, now, Grant, I, I will add the caveat once again that Arizona's defense was rough. But you could say if the Chiefs add a running back, like a bona fide looking starting running back to what they have with the rest of the offense, that they can really take off. And there are people that might hear that and think of any of the three running backs that touched the ball on Sunday because all of them looked good. McKinnon continued to look like himself so good in the open field. And then you started to see, I mean, I'll say this, maybe other people would argue that just because it was like the first time or whatever, they preferred it. 
it feels like the first time, you know. Sometimes it's it's just the best. That's the, that's the best that it gets. But it's quick, yeah. I quick. think Clyde looked quick, just like the first time. I, I, no, I this this is my way of talking about Pacheco. I think that was his oh. best game. Oh. Like you saw him in the preseason, and we saw a couple of games. Everyone really liked the one play where he kept his contact after getting hit and put a hand down and whatever. But like Pacheco's most productive game as a Chief happened in Week One, and he very successfully, you know closed out that game um but i don't i don't see any reason why you wouldn't think that that's the best that he's looked and i'm sitting here just like dang man uh all three of these guys come out look really sharp both running and catching the ball and i suddenly have i guess just renewed energy for what they might do in that running game um, or at least incorporating the running backs, knowing that we all probably could have said, "I there's something to like about each of these guys, but maybe nothing to like about the way that you know Andy Reid seems to to use the running game." Um, Pat Mahomes turned around and handed the ball off quite a bit on Sunday. Still had some some shotgun stuff, but I yeah, and and none of those worked. I mean, the shotgun runs were the were the worst ones of the day. Uh, yeah, with with Pacheco, uh, I had never been too impressed. I mean, it's probably had like 15 preseason carries so there wasn't much to judge on here i didn't watch any training camp but running backs look good in training camp because they hardly tackle so i mean it i never really buy running back hype in training camp because it's just it's very non-contacty uh so that was definitely the best i'd seen him uh he looked great he looked at him to the equation and i mean you're looking at you're talking about the three guys the three horses that we got the guy we got rid of daryl williams is on the other sideline and was he hurt? I mean, he didn't, doesn't seem like he logged a stat. So was Darrell Williams just a healthy scratch? Was he inactive? Did he just not play? Um, but Darrell Williams on the other sideline and he was the guy we were playing before and he's doing nothing. Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely think that there is a lot of meat on the bone for Kansas city when it comes to potentially utilizing these guys and if all three of them can essentially keep each other fresh, I mean, you could maybe you've looked at that um, snaps by drive a little bit closer than I have. But I noticed that Clyde and McKinnon had the same number of snaps in the first half. And I felt like Clyde basically dominated the opening quarter. And so then it, it just almost felt weird. Like, why wouldn't you just keep going with the hot hand? But I think all three guys ended up with a pretty similar number of snaps or at least similar number of touches. Um, and I mean, I never thought I'd be happier to see running back by committee, I guess. <laughs> In honor of uh, Paul Hackett and Paul Hackett's son, the uh, what's his name, Nathaniel Hackett. Oh. We're uh, shitting his pants on national TV last night. We're honoring Paul Hackett today, former Chiefs great, and the the ringleader of the running back by committee, I, I do believe. Interesting. Okay. So no wonder Melvin Gordon is still employed by the Denver Broncos, despite everyone thinking Javante Williams is so great. They're both good. It's fine. That's, yeah, it's, that's fair. They're, they're both good. It's fine. Well, what do um, you think about uh, one of my takeaways, Andy Reid in opening games. Uh, he is now 9-1. and one as the Chiefs head coach in season opening games. Uh, who can forget the Red Wedding of 2014? Um, but that was his only loss, and that was his second year. And, and really, I mean, I think we fumbled the opening kickoff on that one and then had some uh, pretty devastating injuries. So there's some factors that kind of went into that one. 
but I just think I, I don't think Chiefs fans were surprised at all because Andy Reid has his teams ready to fucking play in week one. Like they are ready to go every time. I think a big part of this, and and you kind of saw some talk about this uh, after this week, is that this this trend of players not playing in the preseason like whatsoever, and then coming out in week one and, and looking rusty. Uh, there's the stat that QBs who didn't play in the preseason went three and eight in week one. Um, and I just, I I don't think it's smart. Like I get the idea of it. Um, obviously trying to keep guys healthy. So it's it's really, you're never going to really weigh this because as soon as somebody does get hurt for the year, then you're like, well, you shouldn't have played. Uh, but Andy, he's always been a guy who plays his guys in the preseason and it really pays off early. And, and that's why I just wasn't surprised to see the Chiefs just look this sharp from the get-go because I would say they'd had probably as, as much work as anybody in the preseason, like as a starting unit. And I, and it's, I, I like it. I like, it. I mean, obviously this is going to turn if somebody gets hurt, but I like, it. Uh, so uh, I guess a couple, a uh, couple reactions to that. Number one, I don't think the chiefs have much of a choice. Um, I know that we hold them in as high regard as any team in the league. Like the, the chiefs are the best team in the league as as most Chiefs fans will be happy to tell you. Um, with the schedule that they've got and the division that they've got, like the Chiefs don't have much room for error. And and even over the last couple of years when we've thought the Chiefs always kind of had this like like grace period because they were head and shoulders better than most of the AFC, um, that may not be the case this year. And so I think coming out to a good start, especially on the road against a team like Arizona, who has always been the hot start team that fades late anyway, um, I think that that is a a good and very important performance for them. Um, Obviously, Thursday is more important. Um, But did, did you happen to hear Clyde after the game? Did you hear his comments? They, somebody asked him essentially, like, how is it that you guys always start so fast? Like, how how are you doing this? And he said, it's one of the biggest parts to me, like, and especially for him personally, he's like, that is one of the biggest things that I learned at training camp this year. Like, Andy throws down a gauntlet. He challenges us and frustrates us on purpose and makes us work through it. Because when you come out on the other side, you are suddenly like really prepared to be doing that against other teams. So it sounds like it's not just, you know, people always talk about the pace and how well organized Andy's camp is. And I've heard that it's tough. You know, it sounds like Andy likes to really embrace what training camp maybe used to be and then bridge it a little bit because he's trying to understand the modern athlete. But I thought those comments from Clyde, him talking about, especially like Andy is Andy literally tries to frustrate us. He tries to break us in training camp so that we have to work through that. Um, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that to me still sets the chiefs apart him, him and obviously Mahomes and just his, his maniacal level of preparation um, and desire to win that is what separates the Chiefs and will continue to separate the Chiefs as long as those two guys are here from anybody that they line up against, and especially in the division. I mean, I, I've I've heard Nick Wright's reactions to like, I can't believe that people have been picking Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett 
to win this division instead of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And and it's he's a hundred percent right. Like Nathaniel Hackett, Josh McDaniels, and and Brandon Staley against Andy Reid. I'm sorry, folks, it's not a contest. And those guys might get one every once in a while, but that is where my confidence tri- is like driven from. And it feels so good to be able to to think that way about your coach and your quarterback. Well, and I don't see I didn't see many Broncos predictions out there. Uh, I did hear Nick say that. I don't maybe a couple people, but Chargers would be the one that people Most would be putting sure. ahead of the Chiefs. Uh, or you can look across the conference at the Bills. Uh, but I mean, huge bounce back from Andy Reid. Um, as much as we discussed Patrick Mahomes' 2021 season. And it was a quote unquote down year and he didn't quite look the same. It was the same thing could be said for Andy Reid. I mean, it was a, it was a defense that Andy was having trouble figuring out. Mm-hmm. Um, so every step, every struggle that the Chiefs offense kind of hit along the way, you know, you could put it Mahomes feet or you can also put it Andy Reed's, Andy's feet. It wasn't a great season for Andy Reid, I would say. Um, so it was great to see him bounce back, losing Tyreek, doing it with these new weapons, uh, doing it with a new offense. And I just, at one point we had like a, I think it was the illegal man downfield penalty. And he kind of, they went over to Andy and you might expect him to be like annoyed or whatever. And he looked so calm. He's like, oh, sweet. Five more yards of room here. Uh, Let's see what I can draw up and score a touchdown on now. And it's just like, he looked so calm and unbothered by, by this minor little penalty. It wasn't even a care in the world to him. Like, all right, let's see if we can score on this player before it takes us two plays to score here. And it's just on to the next one. I'm going to, we're going to fucking score, 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 score. Let me ask you this. Is it fair to wonder whether Andy or Patrick or whomever took a step forward from last year on Sunday when, if the Bengals had been blitzing Mahomes on half the snaps in that game instead of dropping eight, it probably would have turned out different. Like, we don't know that the Chiefs figured anything out on Sunday other than Arizona is doing the one thing you're never supposed to do against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. It's it's a fantastic point. Um, if I were If I were trying to look at the antagonistic side of what happened, that's the number one point I would bring up. I don't know what the Cardinals were thinking. Uh, I don't know if they're like, hey, they're going to be preparing all season for, you know, a, a drop seven, drop eight kind of defense two two high safeties. So we'll surprise them and do this. But once I saw that stat, I was just like, what the fuck were they thinking? I And I have no I have no answer what they're thinking. I mean, it led to some hits on Mahomes. I mean, maybe that was their their hope, their plan. Uh, and so a couple of shady moments for us like oh man we gotta protect Mahomes better once I saw that stat it made more sense like oh that's why he's getting hit because they're bringing this pressure over and over which go ahead and do but we're gonna fucking score you're not gonna stop us if you're blitzing like that he's he's it's been ironed out that he's the best against the blitz that there is so I don't know how that could be his game plan going in but I I don't expect that to see that next week no because that's definitely not what Brandon Staley does on defense nor that's what should any defense do against the Chiefs the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm not trying to like you know be a poo in the punch bowl. But no, no, it, I, it, I think it it's a valid. Should be question. Said. It should be said because we people that look closer than us um, and and really dig into the analysis 
um, they will tell you that, you know, Mahomes started to beat that stuff and Andy started to beat that stuff. And that is why that that Bengals half was so, yeah, they were beating that stuff. Um, But that's why that, that second half against the Bengals was so surprising because the Bengals didn't do anything differently in the second half than they did in the first half. And the Bills were doing the same stuff, and the Bills have a much better defense than Cincinnati. Um, and, and they really started to light it up toward the end of the season and into the playoffs. I mean, the the first two playoff games before the Bengals were absolutely incredible. And then for another two quarters of that Bengals game, they looked unstoppable. So I think that maybe they had started to turn the corner, but I will be really interested to see if, like, basically the way that most teams play the Chiefs is some variation of rushing three or four guys and that's it most of the year because if you do anything else it seems like a mistake and so I mean this is just more evidence this is just more evidence that that's how it needs to be and you know so I guess the Chiefs still need to prove that which is a totally fair point but they should have been working all offseason on how to beat that so they should be prepared we didn't necessarily have to see it in this week one, but they it, let's see it. We'll, we'll see it on Thursday. That's for sure. You, you started kind of talking about the defense saying that like, well, hold you know, on. They, are we, are we switching over? Oh, I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm just talking. Okay. Well, I, I wanted to get to a deep dive on the offense before, if we're we'll switching. Dive it up. All right. Deeper All right, the better. All right. First deep dive of the season. <laughs> <laughs> I think deep dive, baby. You're so bad what? at the sound. That's not what. Oh, I got better as the season went on last year. So I mean, it's the first time. It's, first it's a it's a very very quiet ripple is is what I hear from you. I guess. Well, I'm ex- I'm drinking coffee. I'm all excited. I'm all excited. <laughs> all right. Uh, the Chiefs in this one registered 33 first downs on 66 offensive plays. That really jumped out to me. I was like, whoa. That seems like an insane rate. I I had to look it up to make sure it was correct because that just seemed like, holy shit. Uh, So first off on this deep dive, that's the fourth most first downs in team history. Uh, We had more against the Raiders in 2020. uh, The comeback win in Oakland. I think it was still Oakland. Uh, Against the Saints in 2020. um, And against the Falcons in 2002, which was the uh, eight rush touchdown game. I think every Chiefs fan remembers that game. Derek Blaylock. Uh, yeah, four of them for Derek Blaylock. Um, it was the fifth game all time. This is all NFL teams. The fifth game all time with 30 plus first downs and a 50% plays for first down rate. So we had 33 first downs on 66 plays. Half the plays went for a first down. That's the fifth game all time like that. And there's only two other games with 33 first downs, which is what the Chiefs reached, uh, and, and a 50% first down rate. That's the Chargers in 2004 and the Eagles in 2001 from Mr. Andy Reid. Hmm. And so that's the deep dive. I wanted to I wanted to get down on this because it was such weird. I don't even know what to take away from it. I think it just says, you know, we were moving the chains, but not getting like huge plays kind of thing. Because if you're getting huge plays, you're not getting first downs. Um, so you're moving the chains a lot. You're just picking up chunks chunks methodical and that's and that's all that makes me think i i don't know any other takeaways from that other than that was a statistical oddity that jumped out to me and that means deep dive folks 
how how does that i did actually i um welcome to amateur hour folks i haven't looked at the box score what um we are box score analysts <laughs> so how did they do on third down if they did so good on presumably first and second down like how many third downs did they even have third down we were five of eight Okay. Eight. I mean, all these stats are with high. with like Chad Hinney at the end of the game, and you know three drives at the end of the game that I was hardly even paying attention to. I don't even know if they were sloppy. I don't. I don't know what was going on. My little brother and I were getting up to leave when Chad Hinney came on the field. We were like, "All right, folks, I got work to do. Time to go home." Watch <laughs> the game with my dad, and it was like, "I, I, yeah." Um. Okay, so let's let's talk a little defense. Um. I I think that the this is so and you you painted this out beautifully. You said, you know, we should rely on PFF for certain stats and then ignore them for others. And one of the stats that I think people tend to rely on PFF for is looking at all of the various types of ways that pass rushers can affect the quarterback. The pressures and the hurries and the knockdowns and the sacks we can find anywhere. Um, but the Chiefs defensive line really set the tone across the entire league for pressures, um, having, I think, three of like the top five in the entire league in pressures. Um, I, I don't think I felt that they were pressuring Kyler as much as PFF did, maybe Agreed. at least just watching the game. Um, and and I even asked this question maybe within the last month or two that like how much these stats overlap like if you get a sack does that also qualify like a, a hurry or a pressure or are all of those things completely independent of one another and even like the tackles for loss is a sack a tackle for loss or are they two separate things I don't know how this stuff works um but here here's Here's, I guess, my main takeaway in watching that that front four. It seems like when they're on, and especially if a guy like Chris Jones has a mismatch, um, they really can be a problem. Now, I don't know how many offensive lines they're going to face this year that are going to be difficult for them to replicate a performance like that. Um but the Chargers have some weak spots, and Tampa has a lot of weak spots. Um, oh yeah, they continue to have injuries on that offensive line, and I I watch this and think like Spagnolo. I think has enough that even if he's not blitzing, I think that he does have enough to just make it really difficult on teams. Um, and and. I think that this may end up proving to be, even though they're younger, they're they're faster, certainly in the back seven than they've been in a long time. Um, I think that this year, if the defense plays as well as I expect them to, and I think as a lot of people are starting to kind of come on board with, that this could be maybe Steve Spagnolo's like like crowning achievement, um, because we can look at it and say. They might have talent, but at best, that talent is raw. 
it's mostly young guys that you're hoping for big performances out of. And I think that Steve is going to be able to, to really sew some things together on this team without necessarily having any superstars on that defense, except maybe Chris Jones. Oh, definitely Chris Jones. And and you mean Steve Spagnuolo's crowning achievement as a chief? Um, I'm talking about like the actual performance given what he's got, because it's his his crowning achievement in his career is everything that he did with the Giants, clearly. Well, but he well, also it's had game. it's it's one game that he did with the Giants. Did I mean they... he shut down the best offense of all time in the Super Bowl and held him to 14 points. So I mean that's that has to be the crowning achievement. But well, and he certainly, but I mean he had a Hall of Famer. One of the best pass rushers ever, um, and three other guys that probably had a number of all pros between them. Um, yeah, Hall of Famer got George Karloftis <laughs> in the rookie Hall of Fame. All those hey, rookies are going to hey, be Hall of Famers. Every every rookie going to Hall of Fame doesn't look wrong yet. I mean, we had McDuffie not getting targeted by a pass. We had Karloftis uh, with six pressures. You never really said the stat, but it's Chris, George, and Mike each with six pressures. By the way, I really like how our defensive line, our starting defensive line anyways, has the most plain names you could possibly think of. It's Frank, Chris, George, and Mike. Um, actually, I guess I was forgetting the guy, Derek, isn't it? Derek can be the weird one. He's like Ringo. Um, but yeah, each of those three has six pressures. I kind of agreed. I didn't think they were that dominant. Uh, the surprising one there to me is Mike Dana, uh, because he's always just kind of seemed like a guy to me, and it's not a shot at Mike Dana. He's playing football. He's getting snaps. Um, and he's, he does his job, but I've never been like, whoa, Mike Dana. Uh, but six oh, I have. Game. But that's because my expectations for him are really low. So when he does something, I go, whoa, Mike Dana. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your voice raises when you say it like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, that I mean, that's good from them. Um, and, and that's the key to the defense. Uh, I mean, it's it's if this team has a pass rush, that's they they have to have that to be a good defense. If they do not have a good pass rush. I don't think the secondary is good enough to be good on their own, personally. Um, I mean, you know, they looked fine in this game. No complaints, really. Uh, but they need that pass rush. That's where the that's where the money is. That's where the strength of the team should be, is in that front four getting pressures. Um, I, I noticed just before we are going on that Carlos Dunlap, uh, even though he did register a sack in the game, kind of came on slow in this beautiful uh, snaps-by-drive chart that I tweeted out. Uh, everybody needs to kind of look at this. It's from Reinhard NFL. Uh, hopefully he does this every week because it's it gives a snap from each player on each drive. So you can kind of see when players come in and out. Uh, we will be referencing throughout the year if if he continues with this. Yeah. Uh, but Carlos Dunlap only had three snaps in the third drive and then six snaps in the six snaps in the sixth drive. So he was hardly playing out there. Um, so they really leaned on uh, the other guys. And I think it's kind of smart with Carlos with coming off the injury. You definitely don't want to rush him back. Um, play it slow. Um, so I, I like that. And I thought he looked good when he was out there. I noticed him a couple times. So in those limited snaps, he was kind of doing his thing. Uh, but overall, I mean, the defense, as I said before, this was the surprise of the day. And I kind of expected the Cardinals to take a step back. They were missing two of their top three receivers. Um, but how about one of the other surprising, the run defense. If you remember last year, we started off against the Browns and Ravens, but could never really recover statistically from those two games. They just ran so much on us. We were just in the bottom five of the league the entire season, rush yards. We held James Conner to 10 for 26. Uh, and James Conner, you know, I don't call, call him what he is, the top 15 back, I guess. He's a third-round fantasy pick. Uh, so he's expected to do some damage and 10 carries to 26 yards. That ain't shit. 
Yeah. So, I mean, he got his touchdown, though, as, as first of many, I'm sure. He had 15 last year. I do like that we have, like, we allow those late scores. So teams are like, oh, well, they still gave up 21 points in there. And it's just like, nah, nah, we had, we had given up. <laughs> we had given up at 37-7. I, I saw the effort. I saw the light switch go off. Um, I think I, I don't even know if there's much of an argument here. People may not be, um, remembering it. I think that the best player on the field for the chiefs defense on Sunday was Juan Thornhill. Um, the guy really jumped off the screen a couple times, making plays that he hasn't since his rookie year. Um, and the way that he's talked about how he's just not even concerned about the injury anymore. Um, it showed, and I think that he had a missed tackle in there and I was frustrated about that for a minute, but the plays that he made as a single high safety, which is what they drafted him for. Um, he looks like there was not a blade of grass that he couldn't get to. Um, and, and this is a guy that we don't know what his future with this organization is. It sure. It certainly seemed like giving Justin Reed a contract and then making him kind of the face and voice of your defense. And they're still very like Justin Reed is a huge part of this team's culture. Um, but then they turned around and took Brian cook in the second round. Uh, the only, the only non hall of famer on the draft class so far. I mean, dude, his preseason interception was hall of fame worthy. Um, I, I think that a lot of people could just see the writing on the wall. Like there's been some kind of disconnect between Thornhill and Spagnolo, um, and and maybe it's this injury and and whatever, but like we probably not expecting Juan Thornhill to be a chief beyond this season. And I'm telling you guys, if Juan Thornhill plays at the level that he should, I imagine they're going to keep him. Because if you can have he and Justin Reed and then Brian Cook on a rookie deal and all of your corners on rookie deals. Um, I mean, Thornhill, he, he said, I'm going to be an all pro this year. And at least through one game, oh. he looks like he's going to be able to make a case. I mean, I heard national people talk about Juan Thornhill, the way that he played in that game. Now, granted, it's more like Mina Kimes, who is a huge dork and just happens to know his name. But I, I was really, really happy with the way that Thornhill played and, he just he had some of those those splashes that have unfortunately been a little too few and far between the last couple of years, and it makes me really happy to see it. Yes, Thornhill, he was fantastic. Um, I I don't think we talked about Chris Jones enough because yeah. I thought Chris Jones was dominating every single snap, even against double teams, which has been my biggest criticism of Chris Jones is when he gets a double team, he just kind of sits on it. Um, he I had a play, he had a pressure against a straight double team threw both of them off one of them being rodney hudson who i assume is still at an elite level center maybe he's fallen off a little bit but still chris jones looked fantastic he was he was throwing bodies around uh he kind of came in with a new attitude he was talking about grit going into the season and i was like chris you're about the least grittiest player uh on the roster no offense um but if we see new chris jones uh, I almost bet him for NFL Defensive Player of the Year before the season, but I didn't quite pull the trigger. It was like sixty-six to one or something, or something real tasty. But um, I, 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 I kind of like that. I kind of like what we're seeing from him. Uh, McDuffie, who we mentioned, 
Uh, I think it was 21 snaps and zero targets, which is all you can ask for from a corner. Yeah. Uh, Justin Reed, I, I didn't I didn't really see him on defense, which for a secondary member, that's what you want to see, I guess. Uh, maybe safety, you'd like to see him run around a little bit more, but I hardly even noticed him on defense. Uh, I noticed him on special teams. Um, but the defense as a whole, <clears throat> I, I think that's the, the list I had of guys that I thought were really impressive. But just as a unit, very enjoyed. Very enjoyed with what we saw. Um, what, what do they do now? So, uh, Trey McDuffie went on IR today. He is out for the next four games. Minimum, yeah. So now we will see Sneed and Fenton as the as the starters, and Watson as the third guy. <coughs> Sorry. And I assume against the Chargers, we'll be playing three corners the entire time. So it'll basically be those three guys starting. I assume. I mean, it's possible. It sounds like we're in a situation where Keenan Allen is very doubtful, very doubtful for Thursday. Um, I don't know if they're like married to that three wide receiver set the same way that say like the Rams are. Um, But I do know that, I mean, they Gerald Everett caught a touchdown on Sunday and they've been talking about how they are going to unlock him. And I'm like, yeah, you're like the sixth team in a row that said that. Um, Rocking the number seven, I think it was. I think that might be right. Um, I'm infatuated with these all these skill players were in single digits. Oof, I infatuated is the wrong word. I mean, you've been you have you have had a very very negative outlook on Juju in the number nine. And And Juju looked good. He looked good. I'm coming around. He looks fat and not like not like (laughs) you're out of shape, but I mean he he's the fat back of wide receivers, whatever you want to call it. He's he, and I don't know if it's just the single digit, but he looks huge out Fat there. slot. Fat slot. Yeah. I got to pronounce that carefully. He's a fat slot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, so I think that without McDuffie for these few games – it's important that guys like Watson and, and Williams are getting snaps anyway. Um, I think that this probably means the only guy that you're going to potentially see snaps from that you wouldn't normally might be like Lamans. Um, he's just going to have to be part of that rotation, even if it's only getting like 10, 10 plays on defense or something. Uh, but he looked okay in the preseason, I guess. I The only thing that sucks for the McDuffie thing is like, I just don't want him to like have his rookie season end up going sideways. I mean, it can really ruin your career trajectory. And I mean, I I've seen people talk about those 21 snaps that he played and it was like, this guy is the real deal folks. Yeah. It was a, it was a PFF guy. I think it was, it was not a chiefs guy. It was a national guy. And it was just like, he was, he was doing things to the Cardinals receivers. Yeah. Now I don't know if he was covering uh, their their main guy. They don't have too much else in the barrel. I guess AJ Green's corpse is still running routes out there. Um, so I'm not sure who he was covering on those snaps. But... He was really shutting down Andy Isabella. Okay. Or no, it's... who was the guy they kept throwing to? Dorch. Yeah, Greg Dorch? Greg Dorch. <laughs> Seemed like he got like 12 targets out there. I mean, can 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 we say? Is it fair to say that the defense wasn't really challenged on Sunday? think that's fair um i mean nothing like they will be on thursday uh but still i mean i remember i had started re-watching like 21 
2021 season games uh, against the Browns last year in week one. We just gave up three touchdowns in the first half on three drives. It was we didn't even offer resistance. It was just yeah. like down the field scores. It was like watching a Nebraska defense um, against Georgia Southern. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm just joking. Um, uh, uh, where were we? Um, uh, you're gonna defrost a little bit. <laughs> Sounds like you, you you froze up for a moment. <laughs> yeah, I needed defrost out here. It's fucking hot. Um, uh, no, I actually did forget what I was saying. But uh, no, the the Cardinals. I'm down on them this season. Uh, I don't buy Cliff. I I Kyler. I thought was very diva ish this off season. Uh, I can't believe they let that story get out about him doing homework. Uh, just for that to see the light of day was not what you want to see uh, as you're making him the highest paid quarterback in the league, I think it was. Um, but man, what a they could be real bad. I think Cliff gets fired before the end of the year, personally. So nothing I saw on Sunday really shocked me. Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs really took care of business. Um, and And I don't know that there's much more we can say about that game. I guess I'm curious if you want to spend some time on the Chargers at all. Um, whether that's uh, some feedback from you being able to see maybe more of that game than people in Kansas City, at least. Uh, uh, I, I, I caught none of it because they're not going to switch off the Chiefs game here in Kansas City. Um, it seemed like a weird game. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand how it was close. I didn't watch hardly any of it except like the chart, uh, the Raiders' final two drives, I guess. Okay. okay. Um, and it was kind of just going back and forth, but I don't know how it was close because Carr threw three picks, got sacked five times, and Herbert had a totally clean game, and yet Carr had the ball in his hands at the end to, to try and win it. It was it was the exact type of game that the Chargers have lost, you know, in the past. And it's like, hey, they look good the entire game. Herbert looks great. Okay, and and we lost. And it's like, why? Like, why did it's just like the Chargers season in 2021? Like, okay, Herbert was great. The coach is going for all these fourth downs. They look great, but we didn't make the playoffs. The Steelers did. Why? Like, I fuck. I don't know. I don't just know what happened. Is Philip Rivers and the Chargers are the Chargers? <laughs> That's <laughs> <guess>. why. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, props to them for actually winning that because uh, we were kind of debating like, do we want to see the Chargers coming off a loss so they'd be more desperate? Or, you know, they're they're going to throw everything on the line here. I think it's a huge game for them regardless. So I, I kind of uh, – I thought it would be interesting if they were coming off a loss and they were kind of staring 0-2 if they had lost to the Chiefs here in this one. Uh, but props to them for winning that because they would usually win that. Uh, and this – I mean, this game is about as big as it gets. Uh, I mean, if you're looking around the NFL landscape, I think you could definitely make the argument it's the Chiefs and the Bills and everybody else. Um, you could throw some other teams in there if you want. You could question if the Bills belong there. Um, but, you know, me and Billy Pesto over here, we are already discussing a seven-game AFC Championship Series uh, to decide this. Be awesome. Um, so <laughs> maybe we can cancel the, the AFC at Week 10. Um, and, you know, this Thursday will go a lot towards deciding that. You know, are the Chargers going to throw their hat in the ring? Or is this still the Chiefs and the Bills and everybody else? You know, it's interesting. I'm not sure if you've caught uh, Simmons and Sal already. Um, one of the things that Simmons said, just as a kind of a throwaway part 
you know, the first game that they end up handicapping is Chiefs Chargers because it's Thursday. And he's like, I hate that this is on Thursday. I don't I don't like the Thursday games at all. And Sal's like, come on, it's standalone. Like and and what's what I find really interesting, I saw some context about what to expect on Thursday night, and I want to say that maybe this was Pete Sweeney. Um apparently Amazon is like it's their debut. It's the first time that they're doing this, you know, NFL regular season broadcast. And it sounds like they're trying to turn it into like a playoff atmosphere. They've got stages out in the parking lot. They've got big time stuff planned. Apparently the national anthem is going to be like a major player coming in. And I will say this, the chiefs are really matching that energy because you know, who's banging the drum. Tom Ali. The real 82, Dwayne Bow, baby. Dwayne, Wayne is going to be out there banging the drum. Um, I don't think that he's a guy that most Chiefs fans get excited about. Um, but it, it really does seem he, like... He has a cult following, I think. He's got a cult following. I think... Dwayne, he, Dwayne shines some light on some some dark years. Oh, give yeah. I mean, I think that Dwayne Bow is inarguably uh, like the top three, top four receiver in the history of the Chiefs wide receiver not you know pass catcher uh given the tight end situation here in kansas city but i'm pretty excited to see all of the hoopla i guess um including apparently potentially red end zones is what people are talking about um they're gonna they're going to like the all lowercase looking red chiefs with the or i guess it would be yellow lettering and then the red end zone i mean it's it's another big anniversary they, they um, should put the brownie the elf at midfield uh they put a they put the weird a in the middle instead a? oh yeah yeah it looks it looked strange i was like you should just put a giant arrowhead out there what are you guys doing it's like that that a have you not seen this no i think i know what you're talking about i don't know what it stands for it's like the A in Arrowhead, I'm guessing. Oh. Uh, but, well, yeah, I don't know. Amateurs? I'm not sure what they're doing with the it, – it's definitely A for amateur. Amateurs. And, unfortunately, it looks really bad. It looks amateurish, at least in the middle of the field. Um, but there's there's a lot to look forward to. And, and I will say, I think that Simmons said that Chiefs-Chargers is like two of the, you know, ten best games of the NFL this year. It has to be. It has to be. I mean, it, I mean, you're you're putting who else? The Ravens up there. I mean, you got Chiefs and Bills. You got the Chargers and Ravens, kind of lingering, trying to get up there to that to the top floor. Uh, and then in the NFC, fuck. Uh, the Rams are dropping off. The Bucks didn't look great. The Packers didn't look good. And you might even say that Packers Vikings is one of those, and the Packers looked terrible. Now you know whatever we yeah, so I mean maybe Vikings and Eagles like the NFC is just kind of a mess to me um so I I think it's probably three of the top four teams in the NFL or two of the top four teams in the NFL at this point the Chiefs and the Chargers so oh well yeah, he was he was talking about like games on the schedule the entire year oh yeah the two yeah. Chiefs Chargers games might be like in the top five six seven eight games on the entire schedule the whole season yep. um and I I mean I personally, as a Chiefs fan, although I definitely disagree, or I definitely agree with him, um, 
I could not be happier about the fact that we get the Chargers on a short week at home in like week two. Um, getting the Thursday night game out of the way that early and getting to have it be against the Chargers, I will take any little edge that I possibly can. Um, do, do you think that given the number of little you know, injuries, I guess, that, that the Chiefs dealt with, I mean, they're losing McDuffie. And if the Chargers are having to go without Keenan Allen, I think that's technically a win for the Chiefs. Okay. You know, I mean, okay. I don't, I don't want to slight the way that people feel about McDuffie, but like Keenan Allen is bona fide. Keenan Allen is, I mean, who they went to on on the money plays last year, like you know, huge third and fourth down, unless they wanted a bogus pass interference call. I should, I should mind you. Yeah. Uh, but if they need a guy to win a one on one route, it's definitely Keenan Allen. Like Mike Williams. He didn't have a good week one or anything, but he's a big play guy, but he's not going to get you that third and four, which that's the kind of guy I look at. Like, who are you going to go to on third and four? Like, we're going to Travis Kelsey. They're going to Keenan Allen. Their guy's out. Um, also, I know their running game looks shitty last week. Eckler Hart did hardly anything. Um, I don't think the Raiders have a good run D. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see. Um, Khalil Mack did show some juice. He kind of ended the game. Uh, with a couple sacks on the late drives, uh, so we got him and Bosa to deal with. That will be that will be something. I mean, that's that's their path to victory is you know staying in that too deep, and having those two get to 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 Mahomes. I mean, that's that's how they're gonna do it. But I mean, didn't the Chargers have like the the worst run defense in the league last year? Yeah, they were awful, and they signed the nose tackle from the Rams that like was kind of Brandon Staley's hand picked guy. Like Sebastian Day or Sebastian something? Sebastian Joseph Day. And I mean, I don't know how much he's, you know, made an impact through one game or whatever. Um, and I mean, they still have Jerry Tillery, who they drafted, I think, in the first round. But I also think they didn't give him his fifth-year option, and he's just been a, a disappointment for them. Um, I know that people like to pretty much make fun of their linebackers. They drafted that Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma in the first round, and apparently he's just been terrible. Um I, I think that there are some issues defensively for the Chargers, and if they are without J.C. Jackson, um, I thought that that was going to be a, the difference in, like, the, the Raiders were probably going to win. I'm, like, I'm, I'm sorry, you can't do what you need to do against Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, and um, Hunter Renfro without J.C. Jackson. Like, and, I... And- and J.C. Jackson would be a guy that would cover Devontae, and he went off for 10 and 141. Uh, I don't know who they got in the slot, but Renfro, only three for 21. That was definitely surprising for me to see. And um, I, that might be Antoine, or is not Antoine Winfield. It's uh, Antoine Kaysen. No, I liked him. Um, Arizona Wildcat. Uh, <laughs> no, it's... Uh, it's. Are we doing uh, jersey swaps here? Are we bringing back jersey swaps? <laughs> we could. Um Whose son is he? It's not Sertan. He plays for. Oh, it's uh. Ah, fuck. I liked him so much coming out. Uh, Sante Samuel Jr. Sante Samuel's kid. Yeah, I mean, I love how they're all juniors too. I love, I love how they all just keep the name, so it keeps it easy on us. Hey, this this guy's son. Uh, I mean, also from that game, Jacobs ten carries for fifty-seven yards. So. Uh, 5.7 yards per carry, obviously good, but they didn't really get it established uh, in that game, obviously. So that's one thing to keep your eye on. The improved running game against the Chargers run defense that should be bad. Yeah. And I mean, if if they're losing their – if they're still without Jackson, and I think 
that's kind of the expectation. Maybe they held him out of that week one game, hoping that he would be ready for this. But that's uh, that was the read I got. I did see that he was a full participant in practice today. Okay. Um, so that's I am expecting him to go. I, I kind of read it as let's rest him for this week and make sure he's ready for Thursday. I mean, okay. I think I think they are gearing up for this game. And it's just going to be, I mean, push your chips to the middle of the table and see what you got here. Yeah, I, and so let me let me ask you this. Um, this might just be a, a conduit for making fun of Brandon Staley or potentially praising him a little bit. I don't know. Um, if it's push your chips to the middle of the table, even in week two, do you feel like Brandon Staley is just going to overthink it again and screw it up? Because Brandon Staley wrecked the game that he hosted in LA that we went to last year. He it, it, like, it was Travis Kelsey and Brandon Staley who, who changed that game. And so because if, he was going for fourth downs. Yeah. Just, just I, what I felt like was making the same decision over and over. And it just was not working. Well, I mean, that's kind of what won him the first game was making these weird fourth down decisions. Yeah. And it's kind of played a big part in them losing the second game. So I, I assume he's going to stick to his uh, guns there. And I assume we will see throughout most of the season a lot of what we saw last year, which is teams going for fourth downs at times that you don't expect them to at all. Did Uh, we or did we not face the most fourth downs last year? I believe we faced the most on defense and and were like one of the worst, or I say worst meaning just lowest in this case. We didn't go for that many fourth downs. And that's I'd be be surprised to hear that. I I thought we would go for a lot of fourth downs. I, I don't have the stats in front of me at all. Uh, I would guess that we faced the most or one of the most in the league. Cause it's, I mean, that's what teams were doing against us. They were just going for fourth downs when it's just like, you, you can't go for this. You can't, no, you can't, you can't. And damn it, they are going for it. Well, and I, I think that last year teams were maybe more inclined to do it than potentially they will be against an improved defense because it was not only we're playing the chiefs. We need these, you know, to, to try to potentially extend this possession as many times as we can but it was also like this defense is historically bad they were so awful that it was like you didn't it didn't even feel like it was necessarily going to be a challenge to pick up a lot of those plays and i think for a while there it wasn't um yeah i would i would expect a very aggressive game plan from both teams um and i I will double down on the take that i had uh the last time that we talked that i think that this is the the andy reed game like he did some cool looking stuff against Arizona, but like the Chiefs have no shortage of nationally televised games, um, particularly early in each season um, over the last few years with Patrick Mahomes. And it seems like Andy circles one of the first three or four games and is like, this is where we put all the stuff on tape that everybody has to worry about the rest of the year. And I have a very strong feeling that that's what we're going to see on Thursday. Andy very deep in his bag and trying to make the Chargers look bad on national TV, uh, particularly early in the game, and hopefully gain an edge that way. Um, and an edge that can last the entire season. I, I do want to say real quick, we talked, or I talked about the uh, Andy Reid using the fullback trap in the preseason. And then I noticed that shovel pass touchdown, Clyde was actually lined up at fullback and they faked the fullback trap and then came back to him on the shovel pass for touchdown. So I thought that was pretty awesome because they almost did kind of set it up in the preseason by running it three times. And I was like, why are they, why are they showing this? 
almost did maybe also that was like maybe the most wide open touchdown i've ever seen from the two yard line we had two guys like 10 yards apart with nobody to block as clyde just he could have I, I mean the things he could have done into the end zone turned around and and backwards somersaulted he like could have done a trust fall <laughs> he could have uh, got the bat out and spun around 10 times and then tried to run into the end zone. He might've run the wrong way, but he still could have scored a bit. Um, but yes, this game and, and the two deep Staley is the guy who popularized the two deep defense in the NFL. He gets all the credit for this. We're going to see it. And you've had all off season to plan for this. Okay. This is what was, was stifling us last year, all off season, build your team to beat it, build a game plan to beat it. And now we get to see it especially because the cardinals didn't do it so it's like well thanks we didn't have to show anything that in our bag uh in andy's bag that, that we want to do on this so uh bring all that out let's see if they figured it out and and this is the time for it yeah i uh i i don't know that i could be any more excited for an early season chiefs game uh i saw your finger went up well are we doing a new segment that you talked about do you want are we getting that in here uh, yeah, sure. We we do that. So um, a little context, a little background for our fans out there. Uh, I text Dirk the other night. And I said, you know, I really like to say the word hefes. Hefe. And, you know, it was it was a kitchen word that I heard a lot. And then with our our friends from Columbia, it became kind of like the thing that we were calling the Chiefs. You know, Hefe essentially means like boss or chief. Um, and, and so there's something about I just I, I text you. I was like, I like saying this word. And so I'm trying to figure out how to use Hefes in our program. Um, and I think that uh, we're going to we're going to go with at least for now. But I'm curious about how you imagine this, um, because you sent me who's your Hefe. Who's your hefe? Okay. Who's ya? So who's your daddy? We don't really know what who's your hefe entirely entails just yet. Um, the parameters could expand as the season goes on, uh, as amateurs do. I would say that if I wanted to do like the super obvious thing, um, the the hefe from Sunday is clearly Patrick Mahomes. But I don't want to do the obvious thing. Do Do you mean the Patrick Mahomes, who is now fourth all time in five plus passing touchdown games, including playoffs? He is only three behind Drew Brees for number one all time. He is now approaching all time records in year five of his career. Is that Patrick Mahomes? Uh, he's. I mean, he's great. Can I ask you a question before I I give you my actual hefe? No. Okay. Well. Um, my, okay. Um, I, I'm, I'm really curious about when the guys that have more five touchdown games than him hit their sixth game where Patrick Mahomes is at. Oh, it's, I saw the career games list. I mean, it's, it's who you'd expect above him. It's Breeze and Brady and Peyton. Oh, no, no. I, I'm I'm thinking in terms of it would show like Drew Brees has nine of them and he played 260 games. Yeah. And Pat has six in just 64. And I'm like, okay, but how many games did it take Brees to get to six? 
is what I'm that's the question I guess that I was having was like well it didn't take him 260 something games probably to even get to nine like when did they hit that number we're looking at their total career games probably uh anyways I'm just I'm I'm picking nits uh no my my jefe from the week one Chiefs versus Cardinals um Look, I, I'm going to give it to Justin Reed um, because I think that he was even underutilized. Every time that they trotted Butker out after he turned his ankle, I was like, what are we doing? Not only because I want to see Justin Reed get these opportunities in a game that is over. The game is over, folks. But Butker literally one-stepping the 54-yard field goal I'm like, hey, it's cool, but why are we like risking potential further injury here for this meaningless kick in a game that's done? But Justin Reed, like basically just going out there and kicking an extra point, taking the kickoffs, and also being, you know, your defensive captain, probably. He's he was probably my my jefe, but I've seen a lot of reaction from you, Dirk, and it seems like I maybe did steal yours. I can give you seven more. Well, you stepped on my toes a bit. I was actually going to split the Hefe in half. I like a half Hefe. Um, but, I mean, Justin Reed is fucking awesome. He was going to be half my Hefe. Uh, watching him come out and kick it. He's going to be point, half my Hefe. <laughs> we, were, we were pumped because we were just like, oh, man, we got Justin Reed. Like, we have him for this moment. And that video, there's a video from the Chief where it's like kind of like circulating through the sideline. I'm not sure if you've seen that yet, but go seek that out. It's, it's very, very high comedy. Um, is that like when he walked up to Tobe and he was like, "You want me to do kickoffs too?" Yeah, he's like, "Yeah." And then Mahomes like uh-huh. all excited at the end. He's like, Ew. he just boomed that kickoff through the through the uprights. He was fucking booming those. Yeah. Uh, I saw Pat McAfee. He's he's my new guy. Who's he's who I'm riding with this season? Uh, my media guy. He spent like ten minutes on on Justin Reed and my FA of Week One, Harrison Butker. We're <laughs> kicking a 54-yard field goal on one leg. A one-step 54-yard field goal. McAfee could not get over it. He's just like, the, the cojones on this guy. Come out 54 yards. I mean, Pete Stoyanovich's game winner against the Broncos in 1997. If you're old enough, you remember it. It barely crosses the crossbar. That was 54 yards. Uh, one of my favorite moments as a, as a young Chiefs fan. Um, Butker, I mean, he clears it by a good five yards and he's doing it with one leg. Like, and then we get these preseason reports that Butker is banging him home from like 73 or something. It's just like, <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, so maybe if the Broncos had Butker at kicker, uh, they could have, they could be one and oh right now because they, they would have 64 yard field goal their way to a victory. Uh, so Harrison Butker for going out there on one leg. Um, I did see the Chiefs signed a kicker. Uh, we tried out a guy named Dicker, who we did not sign. We could have had Butt Kicker and Dicker the Kicker. Um, <laughs> I can't believe we didn't do that just for comedy's sake. Uh, but it's a boggling decision. Uh, but I'll get over that eventually by like week 12, I'm sure. Um, but so I, I do think Butker might miss this game, it seems like, which sucks because uh, he's a fucking stud of a kicker. Uh, and and Justin Reed, that was that was the funnest part of the game was watching those two 
uh, duel back and forth, the dueling banjos at kicker between those two. That's that was my funnest part. Um, the old Chiefs fan in me would worry that the Butker's going to miss this game and we're going to sign this kicker off the street and then they're going to have him go out and he's going to be the reason that they lose. Um, I mean, that, and some of you might still have that, you know, in the back of your throat. Um, I'm not worried about that. Personally, I think that if they were really in a difficult situation and they had to choose, I would just say let Mahomes do it. Kick, um, kick throw, handoff. <laughs> and Mahomes is going off for the game winning uh, field goal. We put the ball in his hands. Um, just, just let Mahomes do we it. Signed, uh, we signed Matt Amendola, who is either Danny Amendola's brother or a CBS media person, something Amendola, Damon Amendola's son. <laughs> Did you do you quite a family, quite a lineage? Do you listen to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show? No. Uh it's it's very good. And they were trying to come up with the football equivalent for the Mendoza line. Like you have to be above this to ride the ride. And they decided that the name for it would be the Amendola line. And it's like this is this is the the best guy on the waiver wire. But you never really want him on your team anyway. Oh, like he's oh, just good enough. But um, yeah, I loved it. The the dammy the the damny damner Amendurler. Fuck, I'd, I'd sign Danny Amendola. So I I'm still I'm still dying for that white slot guy. Give me get this fat slot out of here. We have a white slot. His name <laughs> <laughs> white slot. <laughs> His name's Travis Kelsey. Ah, uh, yeah. Or Justin Watson. Watson. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, anything else before we go here, Dirk? Uh, I do want to highlight the bizarre stat we heard during the game that no Cardinals tight end had gone over 100 yards since 1989. <laughs> One of the most bizarre stats I've ever heard. I, I mean, the Chiefs have probably had, I think Kelsey has 30 something himself and gonzalez has like 28 or something with the chiefs so the chiefs have literally done it 60 times just between those two um fuck that's that was I, that dropped my jaw to the floor I, I couldn't believe it so i just had to repeat that i love i love weird stats like that but 1989 and Who's then we tried the... to think of a of past cardinals tight end and we were just drawing blanks i'm sitting here like who's the best cardinals tight end of my lifetime and i I think it's Jermaine Gresham. <laughs> Max <Maybe>. Williams recently. <laughs> I mean, it's it's probably Zach Hertz. Like, if if we're being real, but all of Zach Hertz's best performances happened before he landed in Arizona. Uh, they drafted Trey McBride, I think, in the second round. He was a really good pass catcher from Colorado State. Uh, he was a he was a healthy scratch on <laughs> Sunday. Um, so yeah, the Cardinals and tight ends don't have a good relationship. I don't think I saw that they drafted tight end in the second round, and they have Ertz. And I don't even think Kingsbury Kingsbury uses the tight end, does he? It's just a just a bizarre decision. I don't just know. Another, what, just another. Just another. I don't know what the Cardinals are doing. I don't they're know all receivers. Doing. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> all right, folks. This has been Amateur Hour. I'm Ryan Scott Hall. He's his Darkness Chiefs and Chargers on Thursday. Uh, Dirk definitely has to watch it on Amazon because he's not in Kansas City. Does it, it air on local? It's on I, local, I guess. I, it's, it has to be. There's no way that they're going to, like, you can't watch your own team play on Thursday if you don't have Amazon. 
I would imagine there's no way that the NFL would be that stupid. But we'll see. But everything else, it should only be Amazon. I yeah, I don't think you can find it anywhere else. Yahoo used to stream the national TV games on like the Yahoo Sports app. Uh, but I don't I don't think that's going to be up. I think it's Amazon only outside of the Chiefs home market. The amount of people scurrying at at 645 trying to figure out like what the, where the hell's the game? Where's the game tonight? What the hell? Biggest game of the season. Where is it at? It's not on my TV. You should uh, put put money on Amazon stock it's or nice. subscription numbers or something <laughs> around 6 p.m. tomorrow. Yes. And then sell them off at 7.45. Yes. <laughs> all right, folks. Uh, yeah, that's all we got. We'll talk to you next week after the Chiefs hopefully beat the Chargers. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's right. Who the best f- Go join.